expect me to talk? I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye with our ongoing James Bond series, which is as of yet unnamed. But if you would like to go to our Facebook group at uh, go to on Facebook and search for Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye and vote for your favorite option. Number one right now is on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how... <laughs> I, I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um, we'll we'll see how that voting goes. I'll probably keep the voting open. I don't know, maybe through maybe through the end of the Connery era, at, at least one or two more weeks. We'll we'll see. Um, but uh, before we go any further, uh, I, I mentioned this on the last episode. Um, in our Doctor No episode, I was remiss in introducing everyone. So uh, very quickly, I, I am Andy Wilson, a film TV critic for Bleeding Cool, Graphic Policy. Uh, you can find my stuff there, including other articles I am writing on James Bond. Uh, Mark and Brooke, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Well, I, I, am, am, I, I am second. Go ahead, Brooke. No, you go right <laughs> <Sorry>. ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm Mark. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Um, I am the resident Latino, and uh, I love the token Latino. <laughs> I am You're so much more than and, just that. <laughs> I know, you are. Uh, I've been a Bond fan since I was a kid. That's my dad's fault, and uh, I love everything about the Bond world, and I love talking everything Bond. And I am Brooke Heim. I come to you by way of Salt Lake City. I... Um, Love Bond as well. I work as a sexual empowerment coach and helping women to and men find their their voice and their place going forward with their lives in like very healthy ways. And um, I've very much enjoyed the progression that James Bond has taken throughout the decades of time and becoming the hero that we need. Indeed. And and thank you uh, both for being here, as always. Uh, I, I, I stand humbly before your vast knowledge of Bond. Um, uh, I, I am a I'm a big fan, don't get me wrong. Um, but I specifically love having both of you on because you are so knowledgeable. And um, to Brooke's point and her background, I just do want to give a tiny uh, note here at the beginning that uh, Goldfinger, uh, while one of a lot of people's favorite Bond movies, uh, does include um, some scenes that can be triggering to people uh, around sexual assault and rape. Uh, we will have a discussion of that. We're going to try and keep it fairly light, um, but we are going to discuss it if that is something that is triggering for you. Uh, come and join us on the next episode and uh, on on Thunderball and um. Well, geez, I mean the the entirety of James Bond is pretty problematic <laughs> in terms yeah. of yeah. Uh, sexual assault and consent, but uh, but it's not it's not quite as bad as this. Um, but but let's get started with why we love Goldfinger. 
who who has a who has something they love here? I, what? Why do you love Goldfinger? I love Goldfinger for a ton of reasons. One of the first ones is that uh, this is where we start drifting more into the fantastical spy stuff. Um, uh, we also get uh, Q. We finally get to see uh, his lab and the things he's working on. Um, for me, like one, of, so one of the games I loved playing when I was younger, uh, when I got my first Nintendo, was uh, Spy Hunter, and oh yeah, to me this is like the origins of Spy Hunter because you get the oil slick and the smoke screen, uh, you get the cool music, uh, the car chases. Uh, so the technology part uh, where things start getting a little out of hand uh, begins with this movie. Uh, and I should say getting out of hand like a bad thing, but it's just, it kind of, the spy stuff gets really cooler, uh, a lot cooler with the gadgets and whatnot. Um, and then the, the villain, uh, the villain in this movie, though, is way more charismatic than what we've seen before. Um, and it starts setting the stage for bigger and better villains down the line. So th- for me, Goldfinger is just that movie that makes things really get going uh, for the Bond universe. I agree. That's yeah. like Goldfinger. Not to discredit the the previous two movies, um, but this is where he really gets iconic for me. Like coming up out of the water in his wetsuit with, with a the, red carnation the, that he just pulls out of nowhere. <laughs> that's like perfectly fine with his like tux jacket that like is pressed to perfection and he's just like oh, here i am my hair is not wet even though i'm going to pull this ridiculous duck off the top of my head and come out of the water as though like there's there's just so much about it like you said about q and his lab um just the whole air of it really starts to and it's the first movie that i remember seeing of Bond. Like, I know it's out of order, but it's, I believe, the first one that I viewed. So it just holds a, a space as, like, this is where he really, like, dials in and things start to to come together for Bond. For me. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and um, it, it serves as kind of a prototype or, like, um, urtext for what... Um, I feel like most of early Bond was uh, this was this was not the first Bond movie that I watched, but I I know that when I started getting back into or when I started getting into Bond, uh, this was one of the early Bonds um, that everyone's like, okay, this is what you should watch. This is the sort of uh, seminal version, and um, that's that's what this is like like you said mark um this is this became kind of the template for a lot of later bond movies from you know the the opening sequence that doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the movie uh to you know bond kind of goes off on one MacGuffin hunt and he's pulling at a small thread and it ends up being this massive giant scheme that no one knew about and he has to save the world um uh all of the q gadgets uh that became a big thing and yeah i mean i think this really 
you know, set, set the stage for what, what Bond was to become. And, um, and it is, it's just, it's just iconic. It, it is, you know, I, I, I've often said that like, you can tell a lot about a person when you ask them what their favorite James Bond movie is. Uh, the easy answer is always Goldfinger yeah, because it's easily defensible. No one's going to argue with you. Oh, you're a Goldfinger person. Okay. That's like, you're picking like the, the, the easy pickings off there. Um, but that being said, I don't think that like it says a lot about you <laughs> other than like, oh, you, you know, you, you it's pick like what is. And in football. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, no, no offense. They, but. they hold legitimacy. It's like, like you can't say it's not good football, but. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, oh, okay. You know, you're, yeah, you're picking, you're picking the, the, the mainstream one. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, starts with, uh, with that theme song too. Right. And, um, I mean, Which man, Goldfinger. Gold <laughs> I was watching, okay, let's, let's, I was watching this a, a few days ago, uh, <laughs> and my daughter just sat next to me because she was just wondering what I was watching. And, uh, her reaction was like, What's with that stupid hand and that broken pinky? And then she started listening to the lyrics. <laughs> she started listening to the lyrics, and she's like, "Why cold finger? What does a cold finger have to do with a gold finger?" I'm like, "Just leave me alone. Let me watch my movie, man." Uh, <laughs> He's such cold a cold finger. finger. And she couldn't get over the fact. <laughs> she was like, "What does that mean?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Just go with the song. I like it, man. Get off my back." It. It rhymes with Goldfinger. <laughs> That's pretty what much it what is. I told her. It rhymes. But she took off. She's like, I'm not having any of this. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, wh- one of the things I like is we don't get a ton of other Bond songs where they uh, describe the main bad guy. But, um, you know, they're like, he's the man with the Midas <laughs> touch. Okay, Goldfinger doesn't actually like touch things and turn them to gold, um, but it's just that rhymes with a spider's touch, which sounds cool. Um, uh, but but I love that like the the song kind of runs out of steam like two thirds of the way through, and then and then it's just like he loves gold, he loves only gold. He loves gold. Okay, okay, I get it. He you loves gold. gold. He loves gold. Okay, I get it. What does he love? <laughs> he loves gold. Okay, we got it. Goldfinger. He loves gold. Got it. Wait, but does he like gold? No, he loves gold. <laughs> it's either he loves it or, or not. It was for for both of you. Like, how much did Austin Powers ruin this for you? I think Austin Powers ruined itself more than anything. <laughs> By that part, like, but I, I love gold. Yeah. I, I was just like, okay, <laughs> I don't know who this character is. Like, you could have done a lot of things. What, what I did like, though, um, they, they got Beyonce to do a, um, to do a song. And, and I, I actually liked that song. It was like, he got the Midas touch. <laughs> But he touched but, it too yeah. much. Hey, gold member. <laughs> hey, gold member. And I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty funny. But 
the character itself, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, Dr. Evil. G- give me more give of Dr. Me, yeah. Evil, please. <laughs> yeah. But, so, it, you know, this, I don't know. The, uh, this villain uh, is the first one to come up with, like, a proper plan that has some real consequence. Yep. And I think that's what set, really sets this movie apart. Because the first two movies, I mean, which I really, really dig, uh, it's it kind of feels like small time problems, uh, but with Go- with uh, Goldfinger, like this guy wants to you know destroy the U.S. economy because he's got a large stash of gold and he wants to make a shit ton of money from this. So it's a viable idea. I mean, I don't know how viable it is to do anything to Fort Knox, but I mean, at least it's a, it's a good plan. You know, and there's no periscopes yeah. involved in this one. <laughs> Imagine a periscope at Fort Knox. That, that would have been awesome. Yeah. No, but I mean, we talked about this with Doctor No. It's like, okay, he's gonna right. he's gonna yeah. topple over a rocket. It's like, like okay, right. that I mean, sucks. <laughs> right. Sucks for the U.S. space yeah. program, but like, what like, what is that really doing, skills, bro? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that's terrible. It's like, oh, a satellite isn't going to go up into space. That's that's awful. But like this, oh, I mean, that would be, you know, as Bond says it, economic chaos yeah. in the West, and the value of your gold increases ten times. And, you know, that's that's a that's a good deal. And and he's got all he's got the mob involved in it, and uh, you know, uh, pretty pretty smart yeah yeah the whole thing just gets really refined in this movie and it, I mean, oh, it's that's just a like, gold joke <laughs> <laughs> it gets put through the refining fires no he but he becomes this is where he becomes able to grow through the ages right like instead of just being one-off plots and things it's like this is where it becomes a character that can evolve through each of the different roles and each of the different people who play him and have growth through the decades that is representative of, of the world that we live in because the impact is real and the, the plot is real. The device, the devising that he's done to like the villains and bond himself, like everything becomes something that you can look at objectively and say, Oh, well, this could be a legit thing. And that makes it able to continue to grow and not just be a rocket. Yeah. I like that. And I think that Goldfinger as a, as a character, it's like, okay, he's, he's greedy. He wants money. But one of the other things that really motivates him, uh, Jill Masterson says this, he wants to win. He loves to win. And, you know, whether he's playing cards, whether he's playing golf or whether he's doing giant criminal schemes, uh, he wants to win. He has that yeah. you know, competitive edge. Does he That's remind you of a certain about. someone uh, who's currently in power of a certain hmm. country? I don't, I can't think of who you. Blonde, German background. Hmm. Always wants to win at all costs. Gold is Look, orange, she... right? <laughs> yeah, it's a shade of. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I bet he's got some cold fingers. 
And by the yeah. way, uh, uh, Gert. Uh, I don't want to find out. Gert uh, uh, Frobe, uh, who played Goldfinger, uh, actually was a real Nazi back in the day. Yes, I, I wanted to talk uh, about this. Much, much this like the, the person we're comparing him to now. Stop yes. it! <laughs> no, yeah, no, but okay. So let's let's talk for two All seconds right. about his Nazi background. Oh, uh, he was. Sorry. You know, this is. He was a Nazi, but, but uh, hang on. There's a story here. I just he have to say, like, the more we dig into some of these things, the harder and harder it is for me to, like, hold on to some of my ideals about this movie. <laughs> it's really difficult. No, well, well, well the, no, there it, is. But, it'll get yeah. better. It gets know, better. It There's gets a nice better. story. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure. As nice as you can be about Nazis. But there is something about about him hmm. during during that era that makes him a better individual. I'm pretty sure Andy's going to bring right. that up. Yeah, or you can tell the story if you'd like well, to. I'm, I'm well, happy. Basically, to according to what I've read before, is that um, this movie was actually banned in Israel for years beca- because yep. of his Nazi background, uh, of Gert Frobe's uh, background. But a Jewish family came forward to say that during uh, World War II, his family actually protected that Jewish family and kept them safe from Hitler. So because of that information, uh, Israel lifted the ban and Goldfinger was shown and he was actually welcomed in Israel. Uh, do I have that right? Ed? Yeah, that is, that's exactly correct. Yeah. But he was, he was a member of the Nazi party up through 1937, which if, if there was a time when you're like, okay, I was kind of on board with these people, but they're starting to get violent and bad 36 37 if the year you're jumping out okay okay yeah 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 so like i was gonna say like isn't that kind of like okay i don't know if i can say these things out loud it's kind of oscar isn't that kind of like a white person being like yeah but i have friends that are of different races like we protected one family except I get that it's different in that they did actually protect a family. He did leave the Nazi party. So that, that changes it quite a bit. Yeah. So Brooke, Brooke, have you seen Jojo rabbit? No, you should see Jojo rabbit. It is a really (laughs) cute movie. I'm so glad that Taika Waititi won the, the Oscar for, uh, for adapted screenplay because that was well okay the movie is adorable until it isn't about three fifths of the way through and then it takes a really dark turn but before then it's really adorable about you know the little child who thinks he wants to be a Nazi um, but his mom is actually hiding a Jewish girl in their attic and he finds out about it and no spoilers. Uh, overcomes his anti-Semitism. No oh, but no, oh, come on. Like, like, is it a, is it a spoiler to say that the little child learns to not be a Nazi? That oh, by the way, guys, we're gonna have spoilers about Goldfinger in our episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> well, Brooke hasn't seen the yeah. movie, so I mean, you never. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not gonna no. spoil. Oh, well, you know, she's gonna think I, that Bastard's gonna turn into the biggest Nazi ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but but it and, and he has an imaginary friend who is Adolf Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. 
Yeah. This just happens so, to be Hitler. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, it's a so beautiful I, movie. <laughs> I can appreciate that. And also, like, I think it's very pertinent what you say about him leaving the Nazi party. Then, like, I have been a party to two different religions um, that could go by different terms if you wanted to <laughs> and have left those religions and groups. Um, and I think it's, it's important to give value to people who um, see the good in something, but then can also turn around and see the bad in it and make a decision that is contrary to the societal pressures that they're under that goes against the grain of what is expected of them and be able to walk away from that and choose something different for their life. And I think that that takes a lot. I know like having done it myself, it takes a lot. And so um, I, I think there's credence to be given to there. Which makes a Gert uh, make for me anyway, it makes his story so compelling. Because uh, he was able to turn his back on on all that. As a matter of fact, what, what I've read before is that um, he didn't. He kind of fought the use of nerve gas in the movie because he felt it was too close to what the Nazis did during World War II. And with his right. background, he just wow. he didn't want to do that because he didn't want to open up old wounds, and he felt very uncomfortable. But uh, he was talked into it, uh, and I'm hoping I'm, I have this right. Uh, but that shows you quite a bit. Like uh, he just, I get, he really hated that part of his background, uh, as any good right. human should. Well, and Mark, I know that uh, you know. Again, we're going to go into the Oscars here for a second. I know that during Joaquin Phoenix's uh, acceptance speech, he said something that that really jived with you. And I don't know if you want to talk about that or if I can talk about it because I. You know, I also agree. I love the quote that uh, he said during the Oscars. I didn't see the Oscars because, I don't know, I just, I I didn't feel like it this year. Uh, But I read the quote uh, the day after, and he said something about when we guide ourselves with love and compassion, that's how we create uh, change. And not when we cancel each other out for our past mistakes, but when we allow each other to grow, to redeem ourselves, that's when the best of us comes out. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not. I'm not doing the. Yeah. No, that's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, close. And I, I love it uh, because uh, I'm really annoyed with cancel culture, y'all. I, I, I... You're canceled, Mark. <laughs> I'm canceled out. I cancel you. Know, and, you. and we've <laughs> had this you. discussion before on, on a previous <laughs> podcast uh, many times. Many times. And I just I I don't understand how. We expect people to be redeemed if we're just hammering them over their face with the mistakes that they've made. Uh, for me, is if you've made a mistake and you don't learn from it, you don't change from it, you don't make changes in your life, then you're just an asshole and you deserve everything coming to you. But if you've made a mistake and you really want to redeem yourself, you want that chance, then I, we should give it to people. We should allow them to make changes and bring them back into the fold because that's the only way they're going to change. We we like right. to uh, complain about the incarceration issues that we have 
and, and it's horrible. Uh, the incarceration rates in the United States and what we do to people and keep them in there is just absolutely horrible. But we have the same attitude with cancel culture. That's what it is. We're keeping these people in a hole. We're telling them, you're not allowed to come out yeah. of this hole because you did a bad thing and you're always going to be bad and you're evil and forget you. We, we want you to go away forever. That's never going to change anything. Nobody's ever going to change Have that. you, Mark, have you read the book In Defense of Flogging? No, I have not. You should you should pick it up just as a side note. It's about the incarceration problem in America and how instead of incarcerating criminals, we should give them the option to be flogged instead and then go back to their life so that they don't lose their jobs and their support system and their ability to maintain their life. And instead of that even like being like a reasonable, considerable option for people, people just scoff at it and go, oh, no, 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 no. It's so much better to just send them to jail where when they get out, they have no chance because they're labeled and discarded by society. It's it's exactly what right. you're talking about. I would have about. taken a flogging over my DWI. I think it cost me like $9,000. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, look, I mean, we were making allusions to Trump just a few minutes ago. We were? Ago and oh, we were? I mean, my, <laughs> we were. Yes. Hey. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but uh, the, you know, my hope is at, at some point in the next year or two, we're going to make some pretty massive changes. And things are going to start changing for the better in in our society and in our culture and there are going to be a lot of people whose minds and hearts i hope change and i hope that we can find ways to um welcome and and redeem those people um because we can't cancel 45 million Americans. <laughs> I mean, that's just like maybe 10, <laughs> maybe 10 million Americans we can cancel, but 45 is way too many. And no, uh, but uh, I, I'm using uh, those numbers to, you know, talk about the scale here uh, that, you know, we do need a uh, room for people to, to grow and learn and, and be better. And, um, you know, and one of my hopes in this podcast is, you know, tracing James Bond and the evolution of this is that we do see that that growth from, you know, uh, serial rapist James Bond to um, marginally problematic James Bond in the in the twenty. Very true. Is this, so, this, this you movie know, should be called James Bond. Women are dispensable. Because from the very start, like this dude. From the very first scene. Oh, let me throw you in front of him. Yeah, exactly. Don't hit me. He's like, I'm going to use you as a human shield. And then I'm going to slap my massage's ass. And then I'm going to go through two other women who are going to die because of me. And I'll finally go after this one girl named Pussy Galore. (laughs) Well, yeah, she'll be the one that lives. And I've already stated that I love her. So, well. We'll get there when we yeah, get there. well, I, I think I think this is a good time to then pivot to talk about uh, if if not just the women of um, of Bond, either that or the opening scene. Um, I, I mean that that opening sequence is, I mean, it's really cool. First of all, well, let's talk about um, that because from Russia with Love, there was this guy that had a James Bond mask uh, opening the movie, right? Yeah. 
uh, in this opening, we have a stupid rubber duck on his head. Like, how do we yeah. go from high tech copying somebody's face to we're going to fool everybody with this stupid rubber duck in my head? <laughs> I don't know. I don't man. know. <laughs> and then it's followed up with all this awesome technology from Q's lab. It's just funny to me. I mean, at yeah. least it's not three blind well, guys. That's true. <laughs> we, that is we've true. come a long way from three blind guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I think there's something to that, like, little opening sequence. You know, it's it's a simple mission. He goes in. He blows up a, you know, a drug factory um, to... Uh, topple a Latin American dictatorship, um, which Latinos represented. We're bad hombres, and and also just, (laughs) but also just the worst of Western interventionism in, um, you know, in in the sixties and seventies. I mean, that's what it was always about. It's like we're going to go in and we're going to destabilize a country with the CIA. And put in a pro-Western dictatorship. And um, those people were not so good either. So um, not at all. So um, I don't know. The the film obviously doesn't address that. It's just a, uh, you know, James Bond's going to go in, blow some shit up, get the girl, kill the girl, murder a guy, say a funny line. (laughs) Um, Oh, and... I should mention that that's the first like yeah. one liner of uh, with his kills, it? isn't it? I oh, think. Did he say anything? Or love? I don't remember. Has he had shocking? Oh yeah. Well, I I guess no. I because I guess he did when like when Kleb died, he he mentioned something about her. Uh, her, her footwork. footwork yeah, that's true. By the way, yeah. so like the, he he kills the guy in the tub by throwing a heater into the tub. Right, it's a heater. It's not a fan. Right, it's a heater. Yeah, it's fun. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a heater. It's like an electric space Latin heater. America, nobody uses a heater in Latin America. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was born and raised. Maybe, in, I was born and raised in Brownsville, Texas, which is miles from. Maybe it was an in-home spa. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was just so weak. But but anyway, going going to the point on like this, you know, disposable women, uh, like. That girl from the opening scene, the woman from the opening scene, actually, she is from uh, the lover of Pedro Mendari's friend from Russia with Love. Uh, she's the same actress. Oh, yes, really? That, that's really? how unimportant like, women were in this movie. They're just going to recycle actresses and pretend it's somebody new. Just give her a double new check that for me. Andy, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, Nadia Reagan. Bond girl. Yep. She is among the few actresses who appeared in two James Called Bond it. movies. Yep. She played the mistress of Karen Bay and uh, she played the Mexican belly dancer Bonita. So, wow. And, and, and once Wowie, again, uh, wow, Turks wow, and Mexicans wow. are interchangeable still. Second movie in a row. <laughs> awesome. That, that hurts like, me inside. Awesome. Yeah, that hurts me so much, so much more now. It's like I just thought she was a disposable no. woman, but now knowing she's also a disposable, interchangeable, interchangeable yeah. woman. Gold uh, really knocking it out of park, so... and we just opened it <laughs> from the opening <laughs> moments. Way to go, awesome. Goldfinger! They'll way love you, Goldfinger. Go. 
<laughs> I do love Goldfinger, but oh my gosh. But wow. also, damn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's move on to something slightly less problematic. Um, Bond gets to vacation in Miami. Uh, interesting note about this. Sean Connery was never in Miami. Huh. No one from the crew was in Miami. All of the stuff that was shot in Miami uh, was done by uh, the the director and the crew. And uh, then they shot all the scenes in Pinewood Studios. And all of that is just like superimposed in the background. Oh, If it's ever like if they're by the pool, that is just like composited imagery uh, that they got of people diving off that high diving board. <laughs> Uh, and meanwhile, they're sitting in a studio in Pinewood. No way. So I, I thought they filmed on location. No, huh. they did film on location, but uh, Jill Masterson, James Bond, and Arik Goldfinger did not. <laughs> they were in London, <laughs> which is not quite Miami. No, not at all. <laughs> not quite. Just a little different. A little colder. A little different. A little colder. A little different. They're both so, by water. Uh, yeah yeah a little colder and a little more eel infested (laughs) yeah um they did however film on on location in in geneva for um you know a, a lot of a lot of the outdoor things um they actually did go to switzerland although the um the like the nighttime driving scenes were actually also at Pinewood on on the uh, back lots there. Well, because they had to do all the stunts. So, um, but yeah, the they were they filmed in uh, they filmed at Pinewood and at uh, and in Geneva, and that's it. So they really were. This film was mostly or, or partially set in America. They never really went to America. Hollywood trickery, except it's London trickery. <laughs> so, they fooled me. Um, I thought, I thought yeah. they were in America. Bastards. How dare they? How dare they? <sighs> yeah. Um, but uh, that that opening um, that opening scene with uh, with Goldfinger and Jill Masterson and the uh, and the card game. Um, thoughts about that? What? What do y'all think? How are you going to trust the guy with an earpiece when you're playing any kind of card game? Yeah. Uh, especially. Who, who is this Rube? Especially since he's like been continuously kicking your ass and taking your money. Like that's not going to tip you off at all. I want right. to play guard. I want right. to play cards against that guy. And that he's like, Oh, I have to sit in my regular. Seat. No shit, right. Oh, that's not suspicious. <laughs> Nothing yeah. wrong here. <laughs> no wrongdoing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Brooke. Any Well <laughs> I am the worst card player ever, so I just don't trust anyone. <laughs> Wait, but I thought we were going to Vegas and you were going to win me like thousands of dollars. Craps is different than cards. Oh, oh I see. Yeah. You're only good at craps. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And even when I learned craps, the 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 dealers kept trying to tell me, they're like, here, do this, do this. And I was like, uh-uh, you're lying to me. You're trying to take my money. And I wouldn't trust them. And then I noticed that 
everyone else at the table was trusting them and making money. And they were like, you're supposed to trust us because when you make money, you tip us. And I was like, oh, I still don't trust you. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> awesome. So, so yes, yeah, there you go. I I am not great at real life cards. I am pretty good at cards in video games. Uh, I... I like playing poker in Red Dead Redemption. That yeah. is that is one of my favorite things. <laughs> that that's what I currently do. I I go I go play cards against computers online, pretending I'm a cowboy. Oh, nice. That that that's my recreation for right now. <laughs> go win some <laughs> poker in in uh, in video games. Uh, yeah. Um, Jill Masterson. Hello. Um. Yeah, Jill Masterson was awesome. I, like I'm like of all the of all the people in this movie, I'm just like I like her. I'm I and then and then she's like immediately dead, which is she, terrible. She's one of the very first like memories I have of Bond. Mhm. The the car chase down the mountain and her like shooting the gun at him and That's her sister. Oh, that's her sister. Oh, sorry. But Tilly, but yeah. Tilly. No, no Jill is but, just kidding. But Jill is gets painted. Jill. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got ahead. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted no, to it's talk okay. about Tilly. Is a little, we'll talk about Tilly. Is it a little pervy to we'll say that? Like, I don't know why I found her painted gold way more attractive. Than, <laughs> or maybe it's because I'm, well, I'm, I'm thinking she's... with my like 11 year old mind. But I always she's so well, shiny and, the, and pretty she's though. So hot and, gold. and it's the closest you can it's the closest you could have to nudity. Maybe that's like it. and still and that's be true. that's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I remember seeing this I as a kid I, and I'm like, what what are all these feelings that are stirring inside me? Like what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> Something has changed within me. <laughs> <laughs> Something is not the same. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, so, man. Like, yeah, but you're right. Uh, it's it's probably due to the fact that she's practically naked. Yeah. Well, and I mean this, and this comes to like the point of you know what happens with um, you know with women in refrigerators and James Bond, and this yeah. becomes as the like as the new template for future bonds it's always the first girl that bond hooks up with always ends up dead for like how many of the next 15 20 movies congratulations like, you've been cast as the first but oh, don't want man. it don't want yeah. it yeah yeah and you're always going to end up dead and and it's and that not only she ends up dead but um you know in true women in refrigerators fashion it's used to motivate the male character towards revenge and um, you know, and she literally becomes an object. I mean, Goldfinger is just such a uh, you know, he's so awful that his idea to murder her and then paint her in gold as though to claim her as his own. And like that she was, she was an object. She was a gold statue. And and that's it for him. Yeah, no, uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, it still reminded me of Trump, though, because he p- kept paying her to be seen with her. I don't know. Or, 
Yeah. Trump works so well Very in this much. movie as Goldfinger. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, except Trump is not, not that smart. Yeah, no, hopefully they'll end the same though. Not, not that smart. Um, one one final thing with Jill Masterson. Um, the whole idea that she would die because she was painted gold has been proven false. Uh, you do not breathe through your skin. <laughs> that is not a cause of death. You cannot what? suffocate yourself. Wait a minute. You cannot suffocate yourself from painting yourself I gold. The Mythbusters said that um, it was possible. It you can't die. What they now that's interesting. So Adam Savage got himself painted gold. Uh, he he did end up having an increased heart rate and uh, and some and some increased blood pressure. Um, but he but that was because of heat, not because of suffocation. Um, you know, <laughs> you were boiled alive in gold. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, you're cause your, your skin doesn't breathe. I mean, your skin doesn't like actually like exhale CO2 and intake oxygen, but what your skin does do is regulate your temperature by like sweating and, right. um, and things like that. And, you know, if you cover all of that up, you're going to, um, you know, it's it's like wrapping yourself in layers of uh, you know thermal blankets. Um, you're going to make yourself really, really, really hot. So, um, you know, is it? Could it kill you? I don't know. They didn't like go that far because they. Didn't, I mean, they weren't going to like kill Adam Savage on the Mythbusters. Well, no, but I thought they. I thought they made a point that it, it was possible. Um, they're like, yeah, but it wasn't. But not for the reasons that they said. Like it wasn't like, oh, she suffocated well, because if she they was were really in dedicated gold. to the craft. Savage would be dead. Uh, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I say we repeat the experiment. <laughs> we we go all the way this time. <laughs> um, no, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, um, but uh, super iconic, um, she appeared on the cover of life magazine, uh, all in gold to promote the movie. Um, this was like the image that was used, uh, for the film and, uh, yeah, it was a big, big deal. Um, RIP Jill Masterson. You were wonderful. You were iconic, and then you, you were, were great dead. for those five minutes. Okay, so we're done talking about Jill Brooke. Let's talk about Tilly Masterson. She's great. She is. I'm pretty sure that scene not only inspired like my love of strong women, but also of cars. Not of sniper rifles. Well, <laughs> I do like shooting guns, contrary to my like liberal. But do you have better aim than she does? Okay. Oh, I'm sure. I used to shoot skeet every she week. She had crap aim. Yeah, I was really good. So, um, but the Aston Martin, the uh, 
she was driving a Mustang, correct? Yeah, the the Aston Martin versus the Mustang. It's I like, know. whoa, like two yeah. iconic cars at once. It's like, be still my beating Have you been heart. to the Aston Martin Museum in Vegas? If you guys haven't no, been, you should no. go. It's amazing. I didn't even know there was a um, It's great. It's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, the whole scene is just like, I'm going to be her when I grow up. Oh, wait, she's dead. That's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, like, she's, like, super badass. But then as soon as she gets in his car, she's like, oh, look at all the fancy things your car does. And then that part was really disappointing. Like, yeah, it's cool. It is. It's pretty fancy. But, like, also, remember how you were a badass, like, five minutes ago? Well, yeah. that happens to Pussy Galore as well. Well, we'll talk about right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. It's like, but she was, she was so awesome. It's like Bond like runs her off the road, pops her tires. And, and he like tries like, to make it be like, oh, your tires are popped. That's weird. She's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you just did. You ruined my car. Yeah. And then she's like, no. Uh, he's like, oh, I can take you. And he's like, nope. I'll just drop me at the garage. Don't take me to the hotel. You ain't coming near my hotel room. <laughs> yeah. I know what you do at hotels. Yeah, I know what happens to women who sleep with you. <laughs> I've seen the other movies. In there. <laughs> I'm not number one. Oh, that was my sister. I saw the five minutes of film my sister was on. Too soon, Bond. Too you soon. were just with my sister. Come on. You ruined yeah. my car. And then, oh, look at your fancy toys. Yeah, that part was a little disappointing. That was a little disappointing. She was very stylish, though, and she was very in charge. I just, like, I remember watching her try to run him off the road and shoot his face off. I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. I mean, like, we we need more of that. And then and then she ends up dead. Yeah. I mean, after a, after a long car chase and um, lots of things. But, yeah, that that is also terrible. But it was like again i mean she wasn't like fridged in the same way it wasn't like oh we're going to make bond um we're going to give bond motivation moving into the third act it it was just like oh she's excess baggage she's extraneous to the plot now and feigned some like surprise and disappointment when she died he at least pretended for a moment (gasps) oh Was it that yeah. or was that she was killed with a boomerang hat? Uh, who throws a shoe? Honestly. <laughs> I think it was that. I think it was like, really? She went down with a hat? I could have thrown a hat at her? <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man. Odd job. I don't know, man. Like, how much does this hat weigh? Like, I can understand, like, the, the razor edge, but, like, her head wasn't sliced. She just yeah. got conked in the head. Like, that, oh, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. This movie, maybe it was uh, titanium. In in the first two movies, like James Bond actually got into fist fights, and it took a while to subdue the character. Right in this movie, it's like one punch or one kick, and they get knocked out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, also, oh, can we talk about that weird foot move in the very opening fight? Like how he like it like. 
<laughs> picks up his leg and he like goes to push down on the foot, but not in a way that would break it or even hurt oh, him. Yeah, yeah, it more yeah. looked like he's just like massaging his foot and then they they keep fighting. It was, that part was just really weird. Sorry. Oh, uh, it's isometric exercise. <laughs> <laughs> now stretch. Yeah, like stretch, stretch that. I, it's I, like, just, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of weak, man. Like one punch and then somebody gets knocked out. Like, man, if you were raised where I was raised, one punch is not going to do it. Like, you're, you're supposed to be a super spy, dude. Come on. And I'm like, eh, whatever. No yeah. wonder your country is losing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ow. <laughs> One Ouch. punch and you all go down. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't actually know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Wow. Well, we know whose side you were on in the Cold War. That's, Jeez. That's why the Blitzkrieg did the damage it did. Go we go can, Westerners, yeah. right? Like, no, I didn't mean... I'm sorry. <laughs> I am okay. ashamed. That's all right. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't actually mean it. It was just the one punch. That, I'm sorry. Yeah. No. It's all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the hat. Like, yeah, the um, hat. Like, I, yeah. I'm a horrible weird. person. The, not as bad as the hat and odd job, which... You're right. Like it, it is kind of a magical plot device. Like you know, in in one scene, it cuts off a um, like a marble statue's head. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. In in one scene, it conks out and kills Tilly Masterson. Like in one shot to the back of the head, blunt force trauma. That's it. And in another scene, like. Bond throws it and it like is embedded into steel bars. I know. It's like, what? Like, be what, what is with this hat? Be consistent. So it, like, her head should have been rolling down a hill. That's all I'm saying. What? But what if he has multiple hats? I mean, for, mm. for just the right occasion, like he was in the Bond cars, has like... multiple devices. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's like, this is my blunt force hat. I'm wearing it because, you know, I can't use the razor hat in. <laughs> Uh, the glove compartment. There will, there will yeah. be no statues here. Hat me my blunt force hat. There's yep. a woman I need to get to. Hat me. Hat me. <laughs> now, uh, so that's another thing. Hat me, the, bro. The fact that the fact that odd job is quote unquote mute. Do you, do you think it's be- I mean, he did a lot of yelling at the end. Yeah, he's not mute. He makes noises he and yeah. stuff. Is he? Is it just because they're making a thing like, oh, he's Korean and he can't speak English, or is it that like he's he actually doesn't speak? He's what he's hearing impaired. Like I, I, I like what what is going on? Like, did he never learn to talk? Is there well, you know, what is going on with Odd Job? Words are the poorest form of communication. Yes, I mean, yeah, Odd Job's love language is acts of <laughs> compassion, <laughs> gifts. He likes gifts, <laughs> many hats. Another language. Here, is got you another hat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about and what about this whole Korean thing? Like, there's like a thousand Cur- Koreans in Kentucky, and nobody's gonna notice that <laughs> or question it. It's Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, if I would have gone to Kentucky back then, like, I'd probably be dead. They both start with K. 
<laughs> you got one more K to go. But like it, nobody's oh noticing this. I know, right? No, nobody's, nobody's noticing this. Like something's got to be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of hand wavy, uh, you know, things we have Hollywood to kind of like, yeah, skip over that like doesn't quite add up here. But oh I mean, well. it, her it's name is Pussy Galore. We're really going to start with why are there so many and her Koreans in Kentucky? <laughs> like, <laughs> Pussy galore, her fly circuit. Oh Jesus Christ, that's so funny. I'm never, I'm never not gonna laugh at that. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of imagery. Anyway, what kind of imagery? I know. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, nothing, what? Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's all right. I just, yeah. I mean, so Brooke, you mentioned you mentioned this in the first episode of the podcast that. In in the book, Pussy was a lesbian, and that is much more like explicit and um that and that there's also a lot more to her character. Right. Um, and did you I, I know mean, that her character is actually based off of Ian Fleming's real life neighbor and lover? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. What, so her he character a... was fashioned after his neighbor. Huh who was not a lesbian because she was his lover or well no from what i understand right from what i understand it's very much like pussy galore in the in the movie where she's very standoffish to bond at first and i mean especially for the time right there's like really one like qualifier like you are straight or you are a lesbian Mm -hmm. and so there there wasn't a lot of in between sexually for mm-hmm. identification. And so like Pussy Galore is very standoffish to Bond and wants nothing to do with him. And then in the end, you know, things change. She has this, her moment, but um, but she's still identified as lesbian. And I I don't know for sure. So anyone is welcome to correct me on this, but I believe it's the same with his neighbor. Hmm. Cool. Okay, so, I mean, let's try and make this the least problematic version of this that we can. It, okay. If we, if we say, oh, Pussy Galore was a lesbian, and then James Bond and his magic penis came and made her straight for a moment, like, that is obviously terrible. Um should we instead maybe think of pussy as being canonically bisexual and that, you know, she's bisexual, but she prefers women, but she does occasionally like men. Yes. I, I can roll with that. I think like, I can't speak for other women because I am not them. We would not ask and, you to. And I only know my own experience, right? But like, I I don't feel wicked comfortable defining myself sexually to people. Mm-hmm. In general, like I, I'm not straight. I'm not 
the, the term bisexual has never sat well with me because mm-hmm. people shame it so much anyways. Like I don't have any real attachment to the word of it. I just like whomever I'm going to like. And so the idea to me of her like not liking Bond at first because he's an arrogant jackass to her. Right. Sits very well with me. <laughs> and then her like having evolutionary feelings and like her emotions changing as she gets to know someone and like, or I don't know that I can apply that directly to her, but the idea of that happening for a person, right? Like there are people that I have met in my life who have not been turned on to at all, but as I get to know them, my feelings for them evolve and change. Like I can be totally on board with that without that necessarily being problematic. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we shouldn't try to like, oh, it's, it's definitely bi. I mean, there's like, there's, there's pansexuality. There's, you know, it's, it's such a huge spectrum. I think for the time, it's definitely what you said at at first. And they're making a point of the magic penis coming in and, and changing her mind for a moment. But like, in my much later, applied emotions to it like watching it at such a later date than what it was made was able to relate to that based on my own emotions i guess yeah because it wasn't just two options right no that makes sense but there's i don't know there's there's likely some some queerness in there somewhere yeah so and i think that's that's important to to remember but but yeah originally likely written as james bond's magic penis which is um uh very very bad and i gotta find one of those (laughs) me too (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding that would be terrible because (laughs) what would you use that for except for awful nefarious person purposes um, which brings us like to, to the magic with it, uh, like a wand. Well, no, know. but the magic is <laughs> that you Accio like pizza. No, <laughs> Harry Potter takes a much different turn. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, if if it were that, sure, but I mean, Guardium Leviosa, 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 not Leviosa, but um. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think with with that very light turn, I mean, we we maybe need to talk about the the scene with Bond and Pussy can we, in the can, barn. Can we do just one more? Love you, ah. <laughs> Okay. So yes, now we can. Alohomora. Magic penis could unlock quite a few things. <laughs> I mean, that's the. That's the terrible thing about it, which is what is, you know, yeah. All right. Um, so now, but, yeah. for the turn. Uh, yeah, the the very serious turn. And, like, okay, so it's, it's very obvious that, yeah, Pussy is not interested at all. And flat out turns him down. I mean, knocks him over. Right. And, uh, you know, and then he knocks her over. And then, uh, 
you know, he ends up holding her down and and kissing her until it seems like she finally sort of, um, you know, stops. Didn't you want this? Stops struggling. Yeah, and that and that is the implication, right. which is terrible. But um, there's obviously no consent given. There's no, and you know, unlike in From Russia with Love, you know, we talked about that, you know the line that Tatiana has was like, Oh, maybe my mouth is too big. <laughs> like the, the biggest, like come hither line yeah. that, that there is, there's definitely like some, like, you know, she's naked in his bed. That's very obvious. What, you know, what's going on. Um, this is not consensual. Um, this is, this is assault. This is rape. Um, I mean, I, I in in my book, I mean, I think that that there isn't really a good way to, you know, get get around this. This is very much James Bond getting what he wants, and there's going to be no nose about it. Mm-hmm. And um, so this speaks more uh, about the time that this movie was made and the liberties men had at the time. And I'm using liberties in a weird way. Um, so there's this, there, it's kind of a cutesy story that my family likes to tell, or at least my parents and keep in mind, my dad's a big giant bond fan. Uh, whenever they would ask my mom, um, so, you know, how did you guys get together? Uh, you know, how, how did it go? And my mom's response has always been like, um, well, he just came up to me. He said, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And that's the way it was. And hmm. when they ask her, like, how did he propose? My dad's proposal was, we're getting married June 2nd. Hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, we all laughed about it. But these are the liberties men took back in the day. Uh, and, and my dad's thing was in the 70s. So back in the 50s, I think it was a lot worse. And mm-hmm. none of us here are saying that it's any kind of right it's just a, a good picture as to how it was back then and how badly men use their power over women. Right. It's a very good example of how the times were. And, you know, it, it make no mistake that this was rape because she, she had no other recourse but to have sex with him. So right. by, def- by definition, it is. It leads into a lot of what has become established and accepted as well for just rape culture in general, right? Right. Here we have on the big screen an icon for men and established like sex symbol and icon for women. And this is the acceptable course of action like oh (laughs) she knocks you over unacceptable it is now your responsibility to hold her down and kiss her until you feel like she's accepted what is happening and then you do what you want anyways right i mean how much more clear could that have been made there it it doesn't matter if she changed her mind it is up to her to tell you she has changed her mind, not for you 
to assume or imply based off of lack of struggle. Like as soon as it's there, it, it doesn't matter. You have to get that consent or it, it right. is rape. Right. Right. Like, and, and this, yeah. and, and it's so subtle the ways that it not, it's actually not subtle. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty no, obvious. Not at all. People consider yeah, yeah. it subtle. Oh, well, you know, there was a, a bit of a change. And so it was totally fine. And that's a really sexy scene. No, it's not. It's just not. Yeah. And it, um, that took longer and longer to, like, to weed its way out of Bond, I feel, longer than it should have. Right. But um, because of that, it has become a part of our culture. It's become a part of movie romance culture as to what is acceptable. Right. I mean, think about, you know, you, you mentioned rape culture. I mean, this is one of like the top 60 grossing movies of all time, um, you know, adjusted for inflation. Um, this has a huge cultural impact and, and thinking especially about the time that this comes out, uh, you know, 1964, this is, you know, the height of, um, the baby boomers, like coming into adolescence and, um, and teenagerdom and everybody's going to see this movie. And here you see this man who takes what he wants and he gets it. And he always gets the girl, even if she says no. And, uh, you know, that is like, oh, that's that's who we want to be. And, you know, I remember that was like a tagline uh, for Bond is like men want to be him and women want to be with him. Right. And like and this is the model for, you know, how you are supposed to be if you want to be good with women and for women. This is how you act if you want to get a man like James Bond is, you know. Right. Well, and even and- just like the interactions that the pussy is there to encounter from all of them, right? Like sitting at the table, having a drink and having them like reach over and stroke her hand. And like, it's just mm-hmm. like all of this grooming, all of this like interaction of, you're here for us is, and she doesn't put up with it, but she also has no recourse to be like, no, right. <laughs> right? Like I can, I can refute you by saying business before pleasure, or I can like walk away from you. But the idea of saying that is outrageously inappropriate isn't even an option to be part of the dialogue. Right. And, and you know, Absolutely. Uh, so we know very well that nothing in terms of that changes too much in Bond. But if you flash forward 20 some years in the future from Goldfinger, nothing really changes in Hollywood. Uh, yep. When, when you think about The Breakfast Club, which mm-hmm. is, which right. takes place in a freaking high school, you have John Bender, the bad, the bad kid. Uh, Bender goes underneath a desk and he is just checking out uh, Claire's uh, panties 
uh, Molly Ringwald's panties. Uh, and he starts messing around with her legs. And then at the end of the movie, he gets the girl. Yeah. So like, so like even, even 20 years later, that behavior is still being rewarded. So it's a no right. wonder that a lot of us that are uh, uh, Gen Xers grew up like in, in this fucked up world where we had to unlearn those behaviors. Right. Uh, and a lot of folks still are in the process of doing that. So th- it, it, it's only just recently changed. And that's how difficult all this has been. Um, and, and Goldfinger shows that. Well, right. and I think that it's something that um, as women, like those of us who grew up with these icons and seeing these things and having Breakfast Club and uh, 16 Candles and mm-hmm. uh, Dirty Dancing, like these were the acceptable um, interactions of romance for us, right? Like, we're still figuring it out. We're still trying to um, find our space and how to have our own ideals and our own definitions of what is and isn't acceptable. And um, I think that it's just important to point out that these things all play into it. Like I can remember the very first time that I felt comfortable telling a man, no, that I wasn't into him. I was going to not be with him physically because I didn't want to. And I will tell you all that (laughs) it took four decades of my life to get to the point of being able to do that because the message I had always received was something totally different. And, and in my case is extreme. I get that. But like for, for those who are still affected, for those who are still like figuring it out and wondering like, does it get better? Do we move forward? It does. And it does get better. And we are moving forward. Um, this next generation of girls like are growing up totally differently. Um, yeah. But it's with a lot of work and a lot of effort that, that their realities get to be different. It's still unforeseen how different it's going to be. Right. But we're, we're working on it and changing it. But I think it's important to have these conversations about these iconic pieces of media that built the culture that we're still trying to eradicate and, and shine a light on to say, Hey, we get to talk about this. We're doing a podcast about James Bond, but we're also going to take a moment to give appropriate weight to this one scene because it's important that we point out that it's not acceptable. So we can start to change the actual culture and, call them out for it so that things change and continue to get better. Right. And, you know, I've, I've uh, referred to this often as like searching for cultural artifacts and saying like, Oh, well dig here. And the, you know, this scene especially is one of those definite like dig here moments where, um, you know, this had a huge impact on the culture and, um, you know, and, and that's, that's why we have to talk about it. And it is good that this is changing. And, uh, you know, I, uh, my hopes for, you know, James Bond in the future is, I don't know, maybe, maybe we even get a little bit of, uh, you know, comeuppance on this. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned before how I liked in, uh, 
Goldeneye, there's, you know, a little bit of commentary on this with, uh, with Xenia, um, who's sort of weaponizing the, uh, you know, the, the sexual conquest even more, but it's, uh, it, but it's not the same. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that we can continue to make our own art and, uh, you know, our, our remake our own culture to fit, uh, what we, what we know are, you know, the, the correct ways that we should be, uh, interacting with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, what we have here is James Bond dominating over women. Uh, but in the newest iteration of Bond, um, he's been manipulated quite a bit by women and, and bested by them in, mm-hmm. in, in many forms. So there there has been a role reversal. Uh, I like it. Yep. Yeah, let's uh, let's keep doing it. Let's. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see know. what's, what's going to come up next. Yeah, so I we we may have to do out of order because I mean we're we're obviously not going to get through the end of this <laughs> April. Yeah. Um, we're barely going to get out of. Uh, we're going to be still be in uh, Roger Moore territory come April, so um, you know, uh, I think we'll have to do a very special episode when No Time to Die comes out to to discuss that and all of the all the things we learned there, but um. Let's let's keep talking about Goldfinger. We haven't even gotten to the, uh, you know, the major the major plot of you know what what Goldfinger's actual scheme is. Um, Grand Slam, Operation Grand Slam. Slam. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. First of all, I want to point out like he talks about how he's been planning this for three years. He not only has a table with a model on it. He has the model under the floor. <laughs> so it's like, dude went like crazy with the models for Operation Grand Slam. He's like, first, let's do the table model. I like okay, what is this? A I school like for ants? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have to do the very large under uh under the floor model. Because but wait, there's be- more. <laughs> if you ask now. And and Bond can it's it's just somehow big enough that Bond can peer out of it and see what's happening in the room. As That's a quasi-periscope. <laughs> there is a periscope in there this is, movie. After all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Good periscope. Okay. Uh yeah, but Goldfinger, he's uh he's pretty big on this on this plan. I don't know. I mean, we've mentioned as schemes go. This is a this is a pretty good one. Um, what what else do you all think about? Uh, the mobsters Operation are kind of funny. Uh, they're so cartoonish. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, I think uh, one of them, uh, it has always stuck with me, when everything's shifting around, when he's pressing all the buttons. Oh, and the floor opens up. You can hear somebody saying, what is this, a merry-go-round? <laughs> it's so right. stupid and laughable. Like It's just so idiotic. And they seem so out of place because they're like 1920s gangsters almost. Yeah. And they're like, who who invited Chicago? We don't deal with Chicago. We don't don't want the West Coast here. (laughs) (laughs) You listen to me, see? It's just supposed to be us guys, see? (laughs) It's just such 
they're, they're like right out of Bugs Bunny and uh and yeah. what's the point on escorting one guy out to get him killed and then having everybody else kill why not just kill everybody? Like I just I didn't get that whole part. Yeah. Okay, so I have a I have a fun story. Um remembering back to our Doctor No episode, do we remember Wolf Mankowitz? Yes. <laughs> so Wolf Mankowitz, the writer who uh uh who got Cubby Broccoli and uh, Harry Saltzman <laughs> together. Stop it. And Harry Saltzman. <laughs> Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli got together because Chubby of Wolf dog. Mankiewicz. <laughs> but, uh, but Wolf Mankiewicz uh, took a pass at, at this script at one point, And he's the one who suggested that the, flying uh, circus? the gangster. No, oh. he's the one that, that uh, said that the gangster solos car should be uh, crushed. And then and... put in the back of another car to be driven yeah. off. Well, yep. just, no. Oh, Wolfie. I don't know. As though it's Wolfie. not going to still weigh the amount of a car. Wolfie and your idea. I know, right? That's, like, that's push it. It's a two-ton cube. How are you going to pull the gold out of that? I'm like, ah, it's just so stupid. I don't know. He's got. I don't know. Well, I have I don't to know get my gold it. back. Like, but yeah. you, you just you crushed it in there, bro. Yeah, like uh, this is one of those things. Like in 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 uh, Austin Powers, when Scott Evil's like, "I've got an idea, Dad. I've got a gun. Let's get Austin Powers. I'll shoot him in the head. <laughs> Bang! That's it." And it's like. You know, we could, yeah, either kill all the gangsters, which that will hurt more, you twit. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, well, you could have just shot him in the head, and then, yeah, like, like, shoot him in the head, have his car crushed, take the gold out of it, leave him, like, leave the crushed car there. But or don't put the gold in the trunk because you're just giving yourself more work. Yeah, exactly. I know, I know, you got all these Koreans hanging around, and like, give them the work, but still. I mean that's that's double the work. Yeah, it's yeah. Just so dumb. Why'd you do it? I don't know. It's just up to now, like brilliant plan. I, I dig the plan. Now you're making stupid decisions. You right. know what, guys? It's late. I'm tired. Just like just just crush it all. Just just crush it. Yeah, just. Uh, I don't know. Just crush it. It'll be fun. We'll we'll get the we'll get the gold out of there. I like doing that anyway. Are you questioning me? <laughs> it should have been the part where Oddjob finally speaks and like, hey boss, why, why don't we just gas him with the rest? Of- Shut your mouth, Oddjob. That's why you're mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So Operation Grand Slam. Um. I. So one of the things that I think is interesting here is the fact that the plan fails only happens because. Pussy made a moral decision, right? That you know, uh, somehow James Bond's magical penis did, in fact, like change her mind, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hate that. I, I hate yeah, it. Ma- the magic penis makes girls go good. Yeah. So Brooke, talk more about that. You hate it. Remember that gift you gave me that I really didn't want, but you forced me to take? I think I'm going to listen to it now. That seems like a really good idea. I hate it. <sighs> yeah. I just... 
Yeah, how do you go from you can't sweet talk me to I'll do whatever Although, you want? Okay. Like, it's, it's... You know what, though? Let's give this full credence, right? We weren't going to go very deep and heavy into this, but like, y'all just told me to tell you what I think. So here's the thing. Yeah, sure. You go back to that scene. When he pulls her arm and pulls her around, the look on her face is one that is easily recognizable from any woman who has ever been turned against her will to do anything. It is this like, oh, fuck, like really, like it's this, is this, and the, and through that entire scene, the way that she looks at him, the, the level of strain and fear behind her face. Right. So <laughs> sure. I don't think this was ever the intent of what they were going for, but, um, It is so easy to just give up, to just mm. give in, to just not easy. That is the wrong word to have been used. It is so relatable to mm. see a space of fuck it, right? And sure, they're portraying it as her, like, having the magic penis and making the moral decision to do the right thing and save the day and foil the plans. But, like, when you really look at it, how many women have been in that position and then made the decision to go along with the bigger plan? Right. That is what happens. So that you is think it's a more like Stockholm syndrome? Yeah. Like, are you are you really going to accept that what has just happened has happened? Are you gonna fight against it and be like like the level and this is like getting really heavy, right? We weren't gonna we weren't gonna get really heavy, but the shame, the manipulation, the like when you when you really look at well, why would she suddenly change her mind and go along with him when she was fighting against him and saying, you can't talk me into it? It's because, like, in real life, you do. Right. You try to, if you can describe away the shame, if you can legitimize the experience by changing it in your mind to be something that you wanted to be a part of and that you were going along with so that you don't have to accept the facts of what actually happened to you, your brain will do that to safe for safety, to save you the pain, to save you the acknowledgement that what has just happened has been so terrible that you don't know how to deal with it. So instead mm -hmm. you go along with the plan and you go along with the story and you take the shame and you hide it and you cover it up and you become an accomplice because that is easier to accept than the horrificness of what has just happened and having nobody on your side. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. And sorry, we got deep. Sorry, guys. No, sorry. no, no. no that, that's actually really good because, you know, but it, because you're absolutely right, Brooke, because what we are led to believe narratively is that. Mm -hmm pussy made a moral decision you know bond even says like oh i must have appealed to her maternal instincts wink 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 meaning like my sex was so good i changed her mind 
um, that she decided to start, you know, playing for the winning team in more ways than one. Um, the, you know, but the truth is, as you're saying that, you know, sexual assault has so many other emotional implications that it can change your mind. And, you know, so that isn't a moral choice, you know, yeah, and it's not really even terrible. so much that it's changing your mind. It's that you can't genuinely cannot process the trauma that you just went through. And so you take the path of least resistance. Mm. Yeah. And, and I just want to state, because this is something that I get into a lot. If you have been in that situation and that is what you have done and what you have chosen, then good for you. You survived. You made it through. You did what you needed to be safe. So there is no blame or shame or judgment from someone who is in that situation, like against pussy galore for changing her mind and going, like staying safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you think back, especially to that time, what happens if she fights back? There are men literally watching with binoculars from the other side of the fence. Good on you, 007. Like (laughs) what other path does she have? So if you've ever been in any situation and you had a survival technique kick in and you survived, then fucking good for you. That's what you needed to do. And your brain did the right thing. And by taking that path of least resistance, you have fought the fight. You, you have made it through. And, you and know, this, this begs the question, uh, did she get the same treatment from Goldfinger? Is that why she was in this to begin with? Because there's that one scene where they're where uh, they're drinking mint juleps, and he and he grabs of, her hand and is like stroking right, he's it, touching and her that kind very... of creepy, and she's like, ugh. So and like, she doesn't. Uh, she barely reacts. She just like right, moves her hand, and it's right. like so, so second the, nature. Yeah. So is that the only reason she was doing this? Because he had her under her thumb, and like you said, the path of least resistance was him. But here right. comes another I think dude. there's a I think there's a lot of speculation that would go into there that we can't really speak to, but um, it's highly plausible. Yeah, but she's definitely caught between two sociopaths. Right. And you know, neither neither option seems really good. She's trying to navigate her way out of it and And maybe you know, in the end she, she really just see, saw well, you know what, if I'm going to be in this situation from either side, maybe this is the moral choice that I want to make. Maybe this is the right decision for me. And maybe that that is where, you know, hypothetically projecting onto fictional characters, her journey of healing begins and she gets to start making different decisions for herself. Maybe seeing that both sides are garbage, but that she gets to like pick the garbage she wants, like, all right, fine, whatever. Like, it's still gross. But um... one of the things I do like about Pussy as a character, though, is because she does seem to have a life outside of the beginning and end of her Bond narrative that, you know, she obviously did a lot to get to where she was. You know, she's a great pilot. She's training her own crew of pilots. Like that's how accomplished she is. 
And she can obviously go on to do many other things because she's smart and talented. Um, and she doesn't she doesn't need a man, which is, you know, nice. Right. Um, so, you know, that that is in one sense, like very good, even though, um, you know, her agency is never she's never given that agency within this narrative. It feels like that she is a character who could potentially have that outside of these circumstances and feels like she is more of a whole person, um, more so than a lot of, a lot of other people. And I just, I just want to point out, like, I know I just went to like a really dark Stockholm syndrome, like lack of agency make decisions based off of like only survival and not for yourself sort of space. Right. Just, and that was merely to, to paint a picture of could someone who was so strong and independent, who has this one encounter suddenly be changed by a penis and make different decisions? Like, is that something that could happen? And I want to point out that that scenario in a different portrayal is very common but um i also want to point out like from the very first episode i have held her as one of my favorites and i still do because i really do like that she is in this this world that's very familiar to me that is dominated by these men who have these sexual appetites who are always constantly like pawing like physically pawing at her skin and her her beauty and like oh look at you have boobs and a shirt i think i'll throw you in the hay like (laughs) there's this thing about her where she does still make her own decisions right she does have this entire fleet of women that she has led and trained and is like in charge of independent of the men who are around her and being sleazy and she is survived in this world of like constant onpour of just energy that's against her energy it's it's like invasive of her chosen sexuality and she like survives it she just like shrugs it off and is her own self and has her own talents and her own strengths and her own decisions and her own mind. And um, I know those things weren't like really super portrayed. They weren't really well pointed out when you just watch the movie. But when you look further beyond it, like as a, as a child, like watching her, not child, but like teenager, like seeing the command fleet that she has and the, like being pilots and like all these things like that is really super strong Very to well see said. these yeah. people like pawing at her constantly and for her to just be like oh remember me like i am going to wear this pant with this like shirt and still make my own decisions and be my own woman and do my own thing and and like you said she very clearly has a life before and after bond and his brief interactions and intrusions on her did not determine her. And I really like that. It's unfortunate that her name is about (laughs) 
how she has ample genitalia for you other know what people, though, though. Uh-uh. But... that's a man's perception like <laughs> the strong lesbian woman like <laughs> yeah get it oh, get okay. it lady like, <laughs> okay <laughs> you know like sure yes there's a lot of sexual like implications and like derogatoriness to that i think that were obviously meant to be implied with that name but like as a woman who's into women having that be your name and like being totally like proud and in charge like like if you like get really into can i can i say naughty words yeah so the word cunt was originally reserved just for the queen mother it was like the most revered and holiest of words and the most respected until like religion came into play and like tried to control women and degrade them for their genitalia instead of revering them for it and so for that to like i don't know for that to me to for that to be her name and have like all this like to stand in that name and power and build herself around that name and have it just like i think it's awesome I have I never it. thought of it that way. Yeah. I learned something new. Well, then I stand very much corrected. Yeah. So, the... Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> just like I, I, just no. like any derogatory term, right? Like, ju- like directed towards men or women. It's, it's what you're going to do with it. And I have spent a lot of time since I was like early college through now trying to take back the power of words and reeducate people and women and and there are terms that I use derogatorily that I hate every time that it comes out of my mouth, just out of bad cultural upbringing. But there are other words that I've really learned to take the power back in and to see them differently. And so, like I said, sure, that name was never meant to be respectful. It was only supposed to be to like entice and intrigue men in a titillating way. But I think like reversing it and taking back the power of it and standing strong in it is really fucking cool. Cool. Well said. Okay. Cool. Go for it. I'm. I'm. I'm all about it. <laughs> um. All right. What have we not talked about? Soapbox that... put away. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the toxic gas knocks people out in two seconds after a flyby. Yeah. Highly I'm doing impossible. jumping jacks, and now I'm down. Yeah, I know, right. The, well, it's so funny, like watching it, knowing that it's fake and knowing that they're all faking. You watch them like they're doing jumping jacks. None of them like <laughs> fall backwards or anything. They all just like, oh, I'm going to fall over in the most convenient way possible because it's like, oh, oh, I guess now it's the gas. OK, let's, let's lean over. And they're like, oh, we're soldiers. We're hanging out. Oh, we're fainting now. Yep. And the, the one guy that's like up on the like platform box and everyone falls around him and he just sort of like does this like ballerina fall. <laughs> He's like my favorite. So graceful. Yeah. I was like, none of them end up with head injuries. They're all fine. <laughs> it's all, you know. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I have I have another fun little trivia thing. Um something I noticed that I, that I hadn't like, I have seen this movie so many times and I don't know why I never noticed this before. Um, but in the scene where Jill Masterson is painted gold, uh, I heard the score and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know that 
that is the sample from the Sneaker Pimps Six Underground uh, that was on the Saint soundtrack in in the mid late nineties. And no I'm way. like, I love that song. And I'm like, I know that. Just the there's just a little bit of uh, harp music that's playing in that scene. Uh, the the score track is called Gold Girl, and uh, huh. yeah, they they sampled that, and that is like the main uh, sample in Six Underground. Um, that's awesome. I love that song. So yeah, I was I was like, oh, why did I never notice that before? I have no idea. Like, but it's like, oh, this is like the 15th, 20th time you've seen this movie and you still notice something different. Cool. Good times. Um, any anything else folks noticed or do we want to do the box office and give out some awards? Box office and awards. OK, the box office. So, um. As I stated last episode, uh, this movie was a giant success. Uh, It was the number five movie of uh, 1964, and it is um, it is the second highest grossing of all of the Bond movies uh, adjusted for inflation. So it's a domestic box off was fifty one million one hundred thousand dollars according to the numbers dot com, uh, and their inflation adjusted number is five hundred million five hundred and sixty thousand. Um, box office Mojo has a slightly different uh, inflation adjusted number uh, because they use a slightly different way to uh, to calculate the inflation uh they've they have it at 599 million uh 241,000 um just pick either the way you like the most <laughs> uh well yeah but i mean but either way this is a <laughs> this is a huge movie i mean uh, of of all time movies um goldfinger uh imdb uh box office mojo has it at number 48 um and that i mean like that's that's huge like the 48th biggest movie of all time uh again if this came out last year like nobody makes that much money um okay i take that back avengers endgame <laughs> made 858 million dollars last year uh but uh 590 million uh that beats the lion king that beats the rise of skywalker that beats frozen 2 that beats toy story 4 that beats captain marvel and on and on and on it isn't so yeah so i mean that but that's how big of a movie this was that this is you know bigger than star wars and um that's a that is a huge deal. Um, and it's no Star Wars, but whatever. It it's no Star Wars, but you know, in terms of in terms of the heights of the franchise, though, I mean, this is the second most popular uh, film of all time uh, in the franchise, and uh, part of that reason, and and we'll get this is this is my award, uh, which is uh, most toyetic 
Bond movie ever. Uh, toyetic is a term used in the toy industry to describe uh, movies and TV shows and their ability to turn them into easy, easily sellable toys. Um, Bond's Aston Martin was the most popular toy of 1964 and 1965. Um, it had an ejector seat. <laughs> it had pop-out guns. Uh, it had all of that. A uh, very, very popular toy and one of the most popular toys of the 1960s. Um, folks loved that car. And what's not to love? Uh, yeah. I still love that car. Amazing. As a I do, fact, do. I squealed like a stupid little fanboy uh, when uh, that car came back in Skyfall. Same. Like, dude, when he pulled out of the garage yeah. with that car, dude, like I just squealed like a little shit. It made me so happy. It, it was one of the best moments in that movie. Yep, it was. Cause, and it's like, and it's kind of like, okay, is this total fan service or is this just awesome? It's just, yeah, but awesome. who cares? Yeah, yeah who cares? exactly. I don't even care. It's just, it's just great. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Bonds in his Aston Martin again. Like, awesome. Yeah. That is, uh, this is probably my favorite Bond car. Yes. Um, it beats yes. the hell out of Pierce Brosnan's million mirror make you yeah. invisible car. That car <sighs> pissed me off. It just pissed me off. <sighs> I'm still pissed. We'll get to it. Mm, yeah. But yeah, especially the Brosnan cars were not. Not at all. They're not that cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we're done talking about the car. I, I don't know. Or unless we're not done talking about the car. I just love the car. I do too. I love the ejector seat. The ejector seat was cool. And I'm like, when are they going to be able to use this? Oh, use it already. There's a reason. (laughs) There's a reason. I I mentioned before how the, the Q um, briefings are like the Chekhov's gun of the movie. It's like every little thing he shows him has to get used. And Mm -hmm. when are you going to use an ejector seat? Come on. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, other awards for this movie. Uh, the award I would give this movie is the movie with the most recognizable uh, movie song. And yeah. It's just so goddamn iconic. Which song is that? And the I love that. You know, and the score is just so awesome. I love me some John Barry. To me, he's second to, uh, he's only second to John Williams in terms mm-hmm. of uh, composing music. Uh, this, the, the score to this movie is just freaking awesome. I love everything about it. But Shirley Bassey, her voice, this song is Bond. It, it just so is Bond. And that didn't change until Adele came around and she did her Skyfall. Yeah. Bit. And yep. I was like, okay, we can forget about uh, Miss Bessie now. Um, well, not really, because she's just too freaking No, because she's amazing. Yeah, she's just awesome. Uh, but she's got this robust voice. That's, I mean, if you don't recognize her voice, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's just so unique, man. It's like Nina Simone's voice or, you know, uh, Billie Holiday's voice. It's unique. Mm-hmm. It's just, it only can belong to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
like I said, I, I wasn't so enthralled with a song or a voice until Adele came along and I just adored her uh, her uh, song for Skyfall, uh, which, which to me was freaking perfect. But yeah, that's the award I would give to this movie. Just the most recognizable and iconic uh, movie song ever. If this had not had this theme song, do you think this film would be as iconic? <sighs> I mean, gold I... paint, naked girl, still kind of make it iconic, I guess. Because you think about Bond and you see that gold body. Mm-hmm. But the song just really makes it happen, dude. I think, yeah, I think the song is really integral. And I think, again, you know, I talk about this as a template. You know, the the fact that the song is going to like tell you something about the movie, um, you know, hadn't happened. I mean, obviously three blind mice has nothing to do really with the movie really. (laughs) And from Russia with love is like, okay, I mean, it's a nice little ditty, but it's not a, uh, you know, it's not actually telling you like bond is going to steal a lector device. You know, evil but this blonde is a, man chasing him. <laughs> you know, this is uh, uh, you know, this tells you, you know, what we need to know about, um, about Bond's nemesis before we even see him on screen. It's like he's such a cold finger. <laughs> like, well, okay, cool. He's got cold fingers. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> he needs to check his circulation. <laughs> Yeah, get get some gloves on, Arik. Gloves on, man. <laughs> okay, Brooke, do you have an award? I would say that this is the movie with the award for the most animated falling to the ground. Like it, it's like <laughs> constantly so... happening, like with the gas, with the bullets, with the it's like the most artistic falling award that or the best use of a haberdashery <laughs> like there's so many hats and outfits like these are the most well-dressed men in an action movie that i have ever seen and and the hat magic me, hat yeah <laughs> the magic hat. hat me yeah. so the hat most me, artistic bro. falling and the best use of a haberdasher well, and and good thing that uh you know goldfinger had that uh army uniform Right, just underneath, like, and he could just pull out that hat, and he's like, "Pull out a my my gold pistol and my." I mean, yeah, talk about a guy who didn't believe in his own plan. Yep, he's like, <laughs> oh, he's like plan. He's like, I just, I just came up with this brilliant plan. It's probably gonna go to shit, so I need a, I need a, a army uniform. Again, spare hats. This movie is all about the hats. <laughs> hat me, bro. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. It's so true. Yep. Perfect. Uh, And with that, uh, let's, I don't know, say a tip of the hat to Goldfinger. (laughs) What you did Um, there, bro. Yeah. You know, uh, great movie. Um, Among among my favorites, um, quick go round of the main question of this podcast. Um, is Bond a good guy or a bad guy? Um, what does Goldfinger tell us? Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I mean, he he did stop the destabilization of the world's economy. Yeah. Not to kick this also... off into a larger discussion, but are we judged by our greatest action, our lowest action? Are we really just the sum of our lives? Yeah. That's like, I don't know. The rape? Does it, does it, right. Saved... Does it depend on the the degree of the offense? Well, or... do, we, do we see it through the lens of the time? Though? Yeah. Because if we see it through the lens of the time, uh, there was mm. there was nothing that he did that was frowned upon. And yeah. I'm not defending him at all. I'm just saying. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Okay. I'll not, that. not because he didn't do anything that wasn't defendable, but because when she's got her hands around your neck and is choking you to get you off of her, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? You should know. It's not like she just didn't say no or he just well, didn't yeah, ask for consent. That's like, true, but we're talking about a time where but it, even, was, it, it was still not illegal to rape your wife. Right. But even in that time, well, you're right. But she like, wasn't she wasn't his wife, though. No, I know. I mean, I, but I'm still... saying I, consider the time. No, yeah. No. Considering and, and, the time, right, there's more allowance for it. It's just like is, being yeah. a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> there was an allowance for it, but also, you know, bro, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, yeah. So, so I don't know. Yeah. Very, very mixed bag on is Bond a good guy in this one. Um, I mean, obviously the movie treats him as the hero. Um, yeah. There's a more nuanced take to take on it. And that's we cannot that's where go we back go. and judge it through our eyes, but I think that even in the eyes of that time, I mean, he said, "Are you going to deny a dying man his his last wish?" Like, yeah, he he knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Absolutely, the best the best call, Brooke. You have consistently had the best calls and opinions on here. So thank Aww. you. Well, thank um, you. That's why we have you. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and next week, um, I I think we're going to get Roy and JB and John Madsen back uh, to do Thunderball, um, in which case there will be six of us. And that's going to be a crowded house. And we'll have to Game figure on. out how to not break loose, man. Yeah. And, and, and I propose because all hell breaks loose with Thunderball. And everyone's going to make fun of me for the living daylights. Fish <laughs> <laughs> it on you for an hour. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. Um, Thunderball. Mm, sharks. sharks. Tom Jones. I, I dig Thunderball. Legal intrigue. We're going to get into legal intrigue next week on Thunderball. My favorite story about Thunderball and leading up to an intro of Never Say Never Again and how that came to be. So uh, lots of fun next week. Um, Go join our Facebook group and vote for what the name of this podcast should be. Uh, If you like On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, go vote for it. 
if you want for your ears only yeah. or cast podcast go vote yes. for one of those or go nominate something else like podcast finger i don't know nobody's voting for that you could nominate it go for octocast. it octocast yeah octocasty sure do that yeah Pussycast. no yeah do it no 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 brook you can host that i don't think i can host that <laughs> But go vote. Sure. You know, go. go. It's up to y'all. Just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, go go vote for it. And uh, whatever wins, that's what um, that's what we're going to go with. So go go join the Facebook group. Vote for it. Leave us a comment. Um, and oh, and now that you can find us on most major platforms, make sure if you're listening to us on Stitcher or on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. It does help other people find it and uh, gives us the feedback that we need. Um, just like uh, a a very uh, obsequious Uber driver, I'm going to ask you to please rate us five stars because we, we want we want we got snacks and chargers. <laughs> yes the <laughs> podcast with snacks and chargers please give us five stars okay thank you uh see you next week for thunderball it's the podcast the podcast with the midas touch a spider's touch okay thanks everybody Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.